Uh, we're going to go to our scripture reading, uh, and I'll pass the mic to Eunice. Please rise for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture comes from Matthew 16, 13 through 19. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you do, by, or whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. Please take a seat. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that in this church anniversary that we can remember your faithfulness, your goodness, everything that you have done for this church and through this church. I pray that as we look at this very foundational passage about the church, but that we'll have a healthy view, a healthy understanding of how you designed a church. Uh, I pray that, uh, that we, this won't just be something that we understand, but will be something that we live out as a congregation. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what defines a good church? And uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys... Um, whether it was when you went off to college, maybe you moved uh, for a job, maybe after youth group, uh, you're wondering, oh, should I continue to go attend the same church that I've been attending? I'm pretty sure at least once in your life you wondered, you know, should I go find a different church? Or maybe, you know, there's a better church out there. But what defines a good church? You know, some people would say, well, a great praise band right, a, a praise band that it has like studio quality music, but at the same time they're humble, they're not too flashy. That's the type of, you know, band I want. Some people might say, well, they have to have good food, right? Uh, I remember when I was in college, I'll be honest, yeah, I went for the food, you know, they, they served amazing food. Uh, that's definitely one thing I look forward to. Maybe for some of you it's, it's nice people, for some of you it might be, it might be um, clean facilities, uh, for some of us, it might be a lot of programs, right? But at the same time, not being too pushy with the programs. Uh, for some of us, it might be um, the pastor or the sermon, right? We want the sermon to be funny, yet very profound. We want it to be biblical, yet not boring. We want it to be very practical, yet not too legalistic, in a sense. Uh, some people prefer big churches. Some people prefer small churches. Some people like the trendy kind of churches. Some people like the traditional setting. Some people like uh, churches that are really passionate. Some people just like churches that are kind of easygoing, um, right? Pretty, pretty laid back and casual. Uh, if we took a survey uh, with our congregation and we had everyone write down their definition of a good church, I wonder what kind of stuff would come out from us or if we can come to a consensus. You know, or is it more like your favorite color or your favorite ice cream flavor, where there is no right answer. It's just a matter of taste, a matter of preference. Is that how church works? Well, while we have all this debate and questions about church, uh, the Bible is very clear 
what church is all about. And the most foundational passage about the church is today's passage. In today's passage, for the very first time, the word church is mentioned. For the very first time, out of the lips of Jesus, the word church is mentioned as well. So it's pretty foundational, Jesus himself talking about the church for the very first time. But I want you to notice the context of this passage. Just like today, um, back then, there was this opportunity for Peter to confess his faith, right? Jesus was asking his disciples, um, so who do people say I am? And they were saying, oh, some people say you're Elijah. Some people think uh, John the Baptist. Some people say that you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus turns the question to the disciples and he says, well, what do you, who do you think I am? And they say, well, Peter, he says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And immediately upon that confession, what Jesus says is this. In verse, verse 17, he says this, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So I just want to highlight a couple things about church. The um, First thing is this. Church is built by Jesus, and it belongs to Jesus. The church is built by Jesus, and it belongs to Jesus. Jesus says very clearly in verse 18, upon this rock, I will build, I will build my church. So the church is built by Jesus, and it belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to a certain congregation. It doesn't belong to just leaders or pastors. The church does not belong to um, certain individuals who, have, who are able to voice their opinion. It doesn't belong to the Korean side ministry. It doesn't belong to the English side ministry. It doesn't belong to a certain individual or a certain group. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus clearly says that this is my church. And he says, I'm the one who builds it. Meaning that Jesus has a very particular design. That when he came up with the idea of church, that he designed it. He built it. He had this picture in mind. It's not like, you know, church can be whatever you want it to be. That you can, as long as it fits your spiritual needs, as long as you feel good, you feel uh, belonged, it's okay. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He says, church is built by me and it belongs to me and I have a very, very specific plan. Jesus is the owner of the church. In Ephesians 1, chapter, um, verse 22 and 23, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. So clearly, even Paul says, Jesus, he is the head of the church, and the church is like the body, like our human body, right? Church, Jesus is the head, the church is the body that submits to the head. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the same thing, how we are different parts of the body, yet we are all connected to one head, which is Jesus Christ. So the church exists for Jesus and exists by Jesus. And this means that church is not something that exists for our comfort. It's not something that exists for our convenience. It's not something that exists so that we can just feel good about ourselves or get something out of church, maybe build connections or just, uh, just get other benefits. But the church exists for Jesus Christ, which means we exist for the church because we exist for Jesus Christ. It's not that the church exists for us and our needs. It's the fact that we exist for the church as members of the body. 
It's not something that just exists to satisfy our taste or our needs. It, it exists and it belongs for Jesus Christ. The second thing is this. The foundation of the church is our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church is our confession in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word that's used here, church, um, it's the Greek word ekklesia. Uh, it simply means gathering or uh, assembly. It's talking about a group of people. So right off the bat, we know that church is not a building. It's not just a simple location, right? 2937 Strathmead Street is not our church, but it's the people. It's the people that fills these. This is just a building. This is our primary location for our gathering. But if this one day, you know, it burns down, that doesn't mean our church goes away. The church is the gathering of people. But the key word in order to understand this verse is actually the word rock. Jesus says in verse 18, upon this rock I will build my church. And and tell you, because of this one word, there's, a, there's been a lot of debate between the Protestants and the Roman Catholic Church. Because the Roman Catholic Church, they believe that this rock is Peter, Peter himself. Um, the, the Greek word that's used here is, is Petra, and it sounds very familiar, uh, similar to Peter's name in Greek, Petros. It's actually the same word, but uh, Petros is the masculine noun, uh, Petra is the feminine noun. So it's the same word. Uh, different gender. I know English, we don't have that, but uh, like Spanish or different languages, they're different genders, right? So in one sentence, Jesus used the same word, but in different gender. And because of this, because it sounds so similar to Peter, what the Roman Catholic Church believes is, oh, this is the moment when Jesus set apart Peter from all the different apostles, that he's the selected individual, that he has uh, this special power, this, he is supreme over all the apostles, and he's the guy now. After Jesus, he is the guy. And they believe that Peter has this kind of supernatural power and authority uh, to lead the church. And they believe that he is the first pope. And along that lineage comes all the different popes. So uh, when we see how much power that the pope has in the Roman Catholic Church, it's really because they believe that, that the pope comes from the line of Peter, who is the special individual uh, who was anointed and selected by God. But... There's a couple of questions that we can raise. If really Jesus was trying to prove a point that Peter is kind of the foundation of the church, that he is the rock which the church is built upon, why would he use kind of the different gender? You know, why would he not use the same word? Now the thing is, if you notice just a couple of verses later, uh, after hearing Jesus' plan to die on the cross, Peter, he kind of rebukes Jesus, and Jesus in return, he says, get behind me, Satan. That's a pretty strong language. I mean, if this was the guy, if this was the rock, if he was the individual who was separated uh, for the work and, uh, of the ministry and to lead the church in this special way, why, just in a matter of a couple of verses, why would he be called Satan? Well, I'm not saying that this, this rock thing has nothing to do with Peter. I just simply don't believe that it's the person of Peter that Jesus is talking about. It's more so the confession that Peter has made. Right before this, the confession that Peter has made, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. That's simply the gospel, the essence of the gospel, right? Who Jesus is, the son of God, the son of the living God, that he is divine. He's 100% God. 
that he is above all things, everything exists for him, that he's before all things, that he's the supreme ruler and creator of, of all things. However, he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. That he is the one who came to save sinners like you and me. So in this one sentence, for somehow, Peter captures the essence of the gospel. He proclaims the identity of Jesus Christ, and he also proclaims the work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus makes it very clear that it's not Peter who came up with this idea, but it's God, the Father, who revealed this to Peter. And this is the confession in which the church is built upon. And that's why it's so important for us to hear one another's testimonies. That's why we encourage our, 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 our members, people who have gotten baptized, we encourage them to share their testimony because without our confession in Jesus Christ, there is no church. If you think about it, we have children in our church. We have uh, 20s, 30s. We have also uh, people who are, are, are kind of uh, older in age. We have people who speak different languages. We have people with all these different skin tones and different backgrounds, different um, political views maybe, education, social status, our income is all different. Everything about us is really different. And it's crazy that we can come together as one body. Have you ever thought about that? No, if, if I would have met you outside of the church, I don't know if I would have even said hi to you. I'm pretty sure you would have never said hi to me. But for some reason, when we come together in Christ, we call one another brothers and sisters, right? We hug one another. We are there for one another. We pray for one another. The only thing that holds us together, the only thing that unites us is Jesus Christ. It's our confession in Jesus Christ. That's the one thing that holds us together. That's why it's so important for us to be on the same page when it comes to the gospel. Because if we don't have the same beliefs, if we don't have the same views, when we don't have the same commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ, then the church can never function properly. If a finger is cut off from the body and it's just laying on the ground, it's useless. It's still a finger, but it's useless. Have you thought about that before? You know, I heard like horror stories, like if you get your finger cuts off, like, you know, that it will just jump up and down a little for a couple of seconds. But the reality is, if it's disconnected from the body, it's useless. There's a lot of talented individuals in this room. There's a lot of people with amazing gifting and amazing potential. However, if I and you, if we are not connected to the head, if Jesus Christ is, our not, is not our Lord, if he's not our king, if every single member of this church is not connected to the body, our body is simply going to be dysfunctional. That at, as individual members, we are useless without being connected to Jesus Christ. See that it's the confession that we have in faith, that we have in Jesus Christ that unites us, and it, that is the foundation of the church. And the third thing is this. The church has incredible power. It says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The power that the church possesses is not just this you know, kind of mediocre power where it can do some special things, but it says, The gates of hell shall not, shall not prevail against it. Right? Jesus, he is the builder of the church, and the church cannot be defeated by the presence of darkness. Because Jesus defeated death, because Jesus defeated darkness, because we are the body of Christ, the very gates of hell cannot prevail the church. 
The church is not just this private organization where we should, you know, just practice our religion and stay, remain silent. You know, we we allow the world to do whatever they want to do. We stay away from all the politics. We stay away from all the opinions. We just have our private kind of conversations. That's not what the church is about. What Jesus says is the church has incredible power, the very power to defeat death and darkness. And not only that, it says in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Man, that's pretty, pretty incredible. I still, till this day, I, I really don't understand the full kind of meaning of this verse, but I know this. That's a pretty incredible statement that it's telling us that we have connection to heaven. It's telling us that heaven listens to our prayers. It tells us there's this special relationship between the church and heaven to the point where whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Wherever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The very keys to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven, is given to the church. Now, Jesus creates the key. He did everything to hand over the key, but now that key is in the hands of the church. Why? Because we are the body of Christ that we have the ability to unlock the kingdom, that God's plan for some crazy reason that he chose us to go out and preach the gospel, to share the name of Jesus Christ so that people who are in darkness will be saved and be transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. These keys are given to us. This does not mean that church has power or control over heaven. It simply means that we have this incredible connection with God in the way that he is able to work through us. The church exists for Jesus and by Jesus. It's built by Jesus and it belongs to Jesus. The foundation of the church is the confession that we have in faith uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And the church has incredible, incredible power that God called us out of darkness, not just to have this amazing gathering by ourselves, but to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's why our church really is passionate about sharing the gospel, especially in foreign missions. It's because we believe that ultimately, you know, Jesus came, he came to teach, he came to heal different people, but his ultimate goal was to save. That his ultimate goal was to, was to reach people who were lost and bring them back to life. And in the same way, as the body of Christ, we walk and we live with the same mission so what does this all mean if church is designed in such a way if church belongs to jesus and it's built by jesus that means that we have to stop complaining but we have to start investing in the body that we have to love the church now have you ever heard like people say man i, I love jesus uh, but i just don't like church the church is this not my thing you know, sometimes, you know, uh, uh, I would go on mission trips. Um, this happens all the time when you go to Pittsburgh. We meet people on the streets, ask them, hey, have you, have, ha, do you know who Jesus is? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a Christian. You know, I love Jesus. Jesus is a great guy, great teacher. You know, love what everything Jesus does. And then I ask the question, hey, have you been going to church lately? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. No, church is, church is just not my thing. You know, I just, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just too busy. Uh, I just don't like the people there. Church is just not my thing. Did you notice that basically what you're saying is, um, I like the head, but not the body? When I love my wife, I love everything about my wife. I don't just say, oh, I love, I love her head, but not, nothing else. <laughs> if you love Jesus Christ, 
how can you not love his body? If you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, how can you not be part of his body? If you believe in Jesus Christ, how can you not believe in the mission of the church? This gives us a reason to invest in, in, into the church because the, the, the way that we love Jesus Christ, the way that we, we believe in Jesus Christ, it should be uh, displayed through our love for the church. If we love Jesus, then we ought to love the church. It also tells us that we have to make sure that we have the same confession, that we can disagree on certain topics, we can you know, disagree on certain issues, but when it comes to our belief in Jesus Christ, it better be the same. It better be united, that we, every single member, we need everyone on board to believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, and we have to stop keeping our, all, all our practices privately, but we have to go out and share the gospel because God has given us this incredible power to share the gospel, that he has given the very keys to heaven. You know, if you go to an amusement park, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but there is this place where you can take photos, right? Uh, they have like maybe um, the body of Mickey or Minnie, and then the face is cut out, and you can stick your face in there and you take photos. Uh, kids love this, right? They take photos. And after you watch the, the photo, uh, the reaction is like you laugh at it, right? It's like, it's funny. Why is that funny? Have you ever thought about that? There's nothing funny about Mickey's body. Why is, but why that particular photo, why is that funny? People love it. People are amused by it. People laugh at it because the head does not match the body. I think sometimes the reason why people in this world laugh at the church People make fun of the church. Maybe it's because the body is not really matching the head. And this means that we have a lot of growing to do as a church. I think we are thankful for what God has done the past 18 years. We are thankful for what God is doing in our English ministry. We are thankful how we are growing together in faith. But at the same time, we are undone. At the same time, we are, when we have to be committed to our Lord Jesus Christ, if not, we'll just be a laughing stock that people are just going to make fun of us because they love Jesus, but they hate the body. But notice that God, the way he designed church is such a beautiful way. The very first thing that happens after this confession is that he plugs people into the church, that he talks about the church. It's such a beautiful thing that we don't have to do Christian life by ourselves, but we have accountability, that we have partnership, that we have one another to do this together. So instead of complaining what our church is not doing, instead of pointing out things that our church are lacking in, let's take ownership. Let's be stewards of this church. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for our, those, everyone who's involved in this church. Let's pray that, that no one will take claim ownership over this church other than Jesus Christ. Let's pray that we will demonstrate this incredible power and reach people with the gospel the way that it's supposed to be. It starts from each individual submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. At this time, as we kind of reflect upon the message, I just want to do something simple, something different uh, from what we normally do. Normally, we kind of reflect upon the message in a very individual way. But today, I simply want to pray. Um, if it's okay, if we, if we can pray together for the, our church, actually the church of Jesus Christ, that the church that we serve, 
the church that we are part of, if we can pray for Shining Star Community Church, that we will be a church not known by anything else within our confession. That's the only thing that holds us together. That people will recognize that Jesus is the king in this room, that they'll recognize that he is the Lord over all, that people will hear the gospel and be transformed and be saved, that lost people will be found, that people in darkness will come to light. God has this great vision for our church that he calls us to righteousness and through these righteous people, these people who are equipped with Christ's righteousness, that he has this plan to reach other people, that he wants us to shine like the stars and lead others into righteousness. That incredible mission is placed on our hearts. And the question is, are we being faithful with that calling? Or are we simply satisfied that we have a place to worship every Sunday and that we have people around us to share our faith? That's all great, but we want to see God move in our church and through our church. So at this time, as one body, in one faith, believing in one Lord, can we just call upon the name of the Lord and ask God to really transform us, to connect every single person here to our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would unite under His Spirit, that we would unite under His, His Lordship and work towards this one goal, which is to reach the lost, to reach the nations, to bring people back to Jesus. Let's pray together.